Welcome to the Women in Industry podcast. My name is Kirsty Davis Chinnock, and today I'm joined by Neo Chatyoka from Uhuru Botanicals. Uhuru Botanicals makes skincare that is multi use, organic, vegan, and ethical. They use a bespoke blend of Africa's most effective natural ingredients, and their beauty products are carefully formulated to cleanse, nourish, and restore the rich beauty of your skin. All their products are made in Britain, in their factory, um, from start to finish. So welcome, Neo. It's lovely to have you here. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you very much for having me, Kirsty. <laughs> I love the way that your website has your story of mm -hmm. how you developed your business. Um, so you developed your first product from scratch yeah. when you had your daughter because she had eczema. Um, mm -hmm. did you ever think this one product would lead to sort of a whole business? To be honest, I never thought it would lead to a business. Um, I've always wanted to be in business from a young age, but I never thought that this would be the business. You know, I've always been searching for what is the idea? What is it that will get me into business? Um, but when my daughter was struggling with eczema, I thought to myself, I need a solution for this. So I tried all different prescribed creams from the GP, but nothing really worked on her skin. And uh, for a mother to have a child who's struggling with eczema, it's really hard to see them scratching and crying mm. because the eczema is really irritating their skin and, you know, they're not really getting good sleep and so on because of the scratching. So um, it didn't give me any peace. I had to find something, you know, what what is out, what was out there which could help her skin. So the last visit I went, I went to, I went to the GP. Her skin had really flared up. So I went out to the GP and asked for something to help her because the creams that they prescribed were not working. So they gave me um, uh, what you call it, um, some medication to just clear to help clear it out quicker. Um, when I when when it gave me the medication, it said, you know, just not do not use it for a long time because it can damage the skin if you lose it for too if you use it for too long. So I think when I left that place, when I left the GP uh, surgery, I thought to myself, if the doctor is telling me this skincare product can actually damage her skin, then why am I applying it on my child's skin? I need to start looking for something more natural to use on her skin. So I started researching online on different ingredients that worked well on dry and ex eczema and dry skin. Came across someone who was actually making products themselves using natural oils and natural butters. And then I started purchasing oils and butters myself, tried to mix it all together and then came up with this body balm. And that's where my journey started in making products. I thought to myself, if this helped, this product helped my daughter, I'm sure there's so many other women out there who are looking, mothers who are looking for a product to help their children who are struggling with eczema. So that's how the business started. But I never thought it would become a business. I just thought I was solving a problem for my daughter's skin. And initially when you sort of started and you'd, you'd made the first product and then you carried on sort of formulating others, you mm -hmm. were manufacturing them in your garage? <laughs> it was. So the journey actually started from my kitchen. And then I think my kitchen started becoming crowded. And, you know, obviously when you're making natural products, you're using essential oils, which are very strong. You walk in the kitchen and all you can smell is rosemary and lavender. And <laughs> I think my husband had had enough. So I decided to move into a garage. 
Um, and he only allowed me to use half of the garage because he wanted the other half for his tools and things. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to have to use this space. But, you know, that little space has built the business. It set up the foundations and I've sold a lot, loads of products just from that little space. So that's where I started. And from then onwards, then I've moved on. And you said on one of your LinkedIn posts that it wasn't until you moved into your factory that you went, oh, I'm a manufacturer. <laughs> Despite <laughs> sorting all the ingredients, creating and formulating your own products, manufacturing them and selling them <laughs> with all the branding, the packaging, the quality control and everything else. It wasn't mm -hmm. until you moved into your factory and you went, oh, I'm a manufacturer. <laughs> I think um, the reason why I think I never looked at myself as a manufacturer, because I thought manufacturing was only about, you know, someone who has big, large equipment, and it was mainly done by men, you know, it was male dominated. Um, the people I pictured as manufacturers uh, or leaders or CEOs in manufacturing are people who are suited and, you know, dressed in a certain way, looked a certain way. So I couldn't imagine myself as a manufacturer. I just thought I'm just making products, but I think when I moved into my own factory and realized how enormous this was, and I started purchasing big equipment, you know, my first mixer was a 30 kilo, um, uh, liter mixer. Uh, and then I, I, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm buying all this big equipment. I need now big printers and, and bottle fillers, compressors and so on. I mean, these are the things that you find in a manufacturing company. So why, I mean, why don't I see myself as a manufacturer? I think that's when it dawned to me that actually I am a manufacturer now. So this is how I need to look at it and still start dealing with things in a bigger scale, think in a bigger way of what I was doing. It was not just making products, but I'm actually putting a, a, a big amount of business towards the economy, supporting UK economy. And, and so you founded your business in 2017 in the kitchen, then it mm -hmm. went to your garage, then it went to mm -hmm. your factory, mm -hmm. and you have global clients as well as your clients in the UK. Do you remember do. your first international order? Uh, I think the first international order was quite exciting because I'd never imagined selling to international uh, customers. So my first one was from Australia. Um, I had a lady out there who had seen my products online and then she put in an order. So when I saw Australia, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I need to do here? <laughs> How do you do with international orders? Um, and from then onwards, it's just spiraled on to, you know, USA, I've got customers in Canada, I've got customers in, around, in and around in Europe. And as I also sell on Amazon, I am selling to quite a bigger audience as well. So um, it's taught me a lot, really, selling internationally. And I think now where what I'm working towards is actually selling to businesses um, in, in global markets, basically selling out in other countries. Last year, I had the opportunity to go to Sweden um, and, and um, actually, uh, what you call it? Uh, sorry, um, show, showcase my products and services that I provide. Um, so I've met a few, made connections out there, and I'm hoping that we can, you know, build our business there as well, send out our products and start from there and, you know, continue and move on from there as well. Yeah. So you've come quite a long way um, in a fairly short amount of time. Um, 
but you're obviously incredibly hands-on still you know you're sourcing the raw materials um because of what you're doing and why you're doing it from your initial story with your daughter uh, you Mm -hmm. must have really really stringent testing and quality controls of the ingredients that you use for the products Mm -hmm. that you're making how do you find the best products and suppliers um the method that i tend to use is um Initially, it's research, researching, you know, the best ingredients out there, reading reviews, um, and also trial. So I'll buy ingredients, trial them out, and then, and also read about the company's, you know, ethics and sustainability policies and so on. And then that helps me to decide on whether this product will be good for my customers or not. And obviously, I'm looking whether the, pro- the ingredients are tested and and that whole process. But also what I've found, which is quite helpful in building connections and, and good um, supply and, and, and my relations with my suppliers is actually visiting the sites. So I've got some suppliers in Morocco. So I go out there and we meet, you know, I get to see where the ingredients are made, you know, meet the women who are making it. So, which is quite inspiring. And also it, it, helped, it helps me to see how these products are made and who's making them and whether they, it's been done the right way. So I think visiting the sites has also helped with me making sure that I've got quality ingredients. Um, and it's also been important for me to get the products tested, obviously, before they've been sold. So I go through that process as well of testing, rigorous testing before the products are sold to consumers. So, yeah. You mentioned earlier about, you know, buying bigger equipment and compressed air machines. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, when I was uh, stalking your LinkedIn profile, (laughs) doing my research, um, I love the post you put up about the issues you had with the pipes on the compressed air machine for your bottle filling machine. It just, it wouldn't work. So you just dismantled it and rebuilt it (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Because some of this equipment, we are buying it from out of the country, some from China and so on. So when it came, um, I'd never used this kind of equipment before. I'd never come across a compressor. So when I bought it in January this year, when I moved into the factory, you know, I started stocking up on my equipment and then realized it needed a compressor. I thought it just came with everything and it was ready to use, but no, <laughs> it needed a compressor. So when I asked the supplier about what compressor to use, he suggested a compressor, but we didn't, I couldn't find one in England. So I, you know, searched around, asked people, but no one could actually tell me how it worked. Then I came across a local uh, ware shop, showed them the uh, machine, which is just an old ware shop, which I wouldn't have thought of going to. Um, you know, it's not those ones which really stand out on the, you know, high street or whatever. But I thought to myself, let me just walk in there with this machine and see whether they can help me. So when I got there, they said, okay, what you need to do is change this pipe. You know, you don't have to use the supplier's pipe. We can, you know, make a pipe for you, which will fit exactly in there. And yeah, so that got my machine working. And it was such an exciting moment. I mean, we were all happy there <laughs> that finally compressor and the machine is working. <laughs> it's getting machines to talk to each other half the time it is, is um, the difficult bit. Um, so... One of the things that I think is unique mm-hmm. to you is mm-hmm. as well as running your business, um, 
you actually teach students how to do what you do, how Mm -hmm. to source ingredients, formulate their own products, how to brand it, uh, how to set up a business so Mm -hmm. they can go out and be a mini Neo. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're actually going to, uh, is it from September, invite them into your factory uh, for Mm -hmm. workshops so they can learn how to use the equipment. Is that right? Yes. So, so, um, yes, I do teach um, students as well. Um, I mean, this started from someone actually approaching me just, I think, about three years ago. And she asked if I could teach her how to make products because she couldn't find anyone out there who would show her how to make natural products. Because most of the courses which are out there, they're online. So they're all they're done online and you don't actually get to speak to someone. It's all computerized and so on. So she wanted someone to have one-to-one lessons with. So I offered to do it, but it, it wasn't something I was offering at that time. But I decided, okay, let me see if I can help her. And then hopefully she'll carry on and do what she wants to do. And it started from there. Um, I had a few other students after her. And then that's how I started teaching how to formulate skin and hair care products. And then I was called to Southridge University where I was asked if I can actually teach their beauty and um, arts, uh, media marketing and beauty students on how to create products and to understand the whole process from branding to developing a product to actually selling a product and so on. So I've been working with them for the last two years and supporting their students with that process. So from that onwards now, I want to also move on to, um, well, launching my own academy, Formulation Academy, which I'm due to launch, like you say, in September, formally launch the, um, have students attending courses at the factory and teaching them how to formulate, make products, and also how to um, brand their products, get them tested and start selling. So that is the plan really to actually educate others. And I think the reason why I do it is because I also want to empower others. I don't just want this to just be for me. Um, I struggled to find anyone to teach me. I had to do a lot of research, made a lot of mistakes along the way, bought loads of oils, which I didn't need at the start. (laughs) So I I didn't have anyone to show me the way. And I'd want to show other young people, especially women and especially black women, on how they can also start this process and learn how to make their own products. And what I find out there is that there's not many diverse skin and hair care products. And I think we need more women, more black women also making products other so that there's more products available for everyone, basically. I, I think it's it, it's absolutely wonderful that you're doing this, that you're looking to empower other people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the whole premise that you, you've you started from is you wanted something natural mm-hmm. um, to, to solve a skin problem, your daughter's eczema. And, mm-hmm. and, and the first sort of um, medicines that you were given could actually cause damage to the skin. So having mm. something natural is is really, really important. I, I also mm-hmm. really admire um, the fact that you're looking to empower other women, particularly black women, um, mm-hmm. to do this because who's going to know um, their skin type better um, Mm -hmm. them or another black woman than, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a pharmaceutical company that's out to make 
money i mean of course you're out to make money you have to be successful Mm -hmm. Um, but having those ethics at the base of everything you do it Mm -hmm. it is fantastic it really is um Mm -hmm. the first student that you taught three years ago did she continue making products she did she actually made a a hair oil uh, which is selling in her own shop because she already had um a shop where she was selling cosmetics and hair and hair hair extensions and other products that she was selling in there. But she wanted to learn how to make her own skin and hair care products. So she's made her first oil and she's actually selling it at the moment. So um, throughout that process, she was contacting me to find, okay, I'm ready to now um, get it tested. I'm ready now to get it branded. What do you think I need to do? So I've always been there really to support it through this process and we've then gained you know a good made a good relationship where I've got my products selling in her shop as well so I think that's how we build each other it's not just a one-way stream but we try and throughout this process is build each other collaboration is incredibly important and I think it is only going to get more important as the world around us changes Mm -hmm. Um, but you must feel really really proud when you look at her having achieved that um that that she you know you've inspired her and and helped her to achieve uh making a first product that she's selling that must be a wonderful feeling it is and I, you know i've been so proud also seeing the students from Southridge university um come out with a product that they've come out at the end and actually selling them in markets and online as well so i think this pro- whole process has made me really proud and it's it's kind of awakened me to the reality that, oh my gosh, this is possible. It can be done. There are women out there who want to learn how to do this, but they've got no one else to show them. So there is a space out there for me to teach and and show them this whole process. So yes, definitely. Oh, I was going to ask you, because I tend to ask most people, um, if this is the sort of career you thought you'd have, but you said (laughs) right at the beginning that, you had no idea it was going to turn into a business. Um, because you set the business up um, to benefit literally your, your daughter, um, does she, is she proud of what mum's doing? Do you feel you're inspiring, inspiring her that she can go on and do whatever she wants to do? Yeah, I think I am inspiring her. I mean, she always wants to get involved in what I'm doing and try and help her where, where she can. Um, she's still a bit young. She's seven years old now, so she can only do so much. But I think she is getting inspired. Um, and it's it's not only a distant um, imagination, you know, distant thoughts that, you know, women seeing other people out there, but she's actually seeing someone at home creating this and doing it for her and for the reasons why I did it for her. Um, so I think she is inspired. She, she is. <laughs> and when you're working with your students, um, do you have any particular advice you give them? Um, sort mm-hmm. of more generic advice? Sort of what do you say to them? I think uh, for me, the advice I always say to them comes from my own experience where when I came, because I'm originally from South Africa, I came to England when I was 18 
and then built my career from there went into working as a social worker and that's from social work then I've obviously went into my business um but in that process I've had children I've got married and so on so I lost my voice I lost who I was and I I you know focus more on other people than myself so the advice that I always give is that never forget who you are um you know find your voice and use your voice to do good to change other people's lives to serve others and always have integrity i think integrity is so important when building good relationships and connections so that's the advice i always give is always use your voice don't forget who you are in the process in everything that you go through life i think that's really interesting finding your voice because mm-hmm. of our voices change from a teenager to a young woman to then perhaps a, a parents and mm-hmm. um, and then you get older and you sit down at 10 o'clock at night and you realise you've mm-hmm. not Time done anything for yourself <laughs> all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think finding your voice is important. Um, mm-hmm. Having that communication um, with, with, with your partner um, mm-hmm. and, and making things clear. We over the years society in the UK and all around the world I'm sure um has dictated the sort of relationship gender roles the split at Mm -hmm. home and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we find the person who's the main carer is also Mm -hmm. working a 50 60 hour week um, and then still try to do all the stuff at home and then we moan that our other half Mm -hmm. hasn't put the vat round but he's been taught not to do that and we haven't if we opened our mouth and went can you put the vat round you would do it would, it. <laughs> it would do it but it, it's one of those things and we, we all we're all changing our relationships mm-hmm. are changing um as the think, generations move on yeah and i think it's even more pertinent in our traditional um, in our culture that the man is you you need to be submissive to your husband and you need to serve him and so on. So even if he wants to help out at times, it, you are looked as looked at as the person who needs to take charge of any housework and so on, the children and so on. So that's how you get to lose yourself. And I found that I lost myself in that process. And the minute I found myself, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, you know, there's a bigger plan for my life more than what I have here. I can still love and care for my family, but I need to take care of myself as well in that process. And that's why they sound an aeroplane, put your own oxygen mask on first. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) So your advice that you give out is fantastic. um, And I Mm -hmm. think it's really, really important. Um, But what's the best advice you've ever received? Mm. There's just so many birds. I think one I would say, which I, I, I received from my grandmother. Um, we're very close with my grandmother. And, you know, she, I spent a lot of time with her out in the countryside, in the rural areas of South Africa, where I learned a lot about, you know, working in farms and, you know, handwork and so on. She always taught me to always be humble. You know, if you're humble, my child, you go very far. So be humble and never forget where you're coming from. And I think that is what pushes me a lot is because I, I don't forget where I was 
before I came to the UK or even where I was last year and where I am now. I always remember all the work that I put in to get to where I am. And that keeps pushes me, pushing me further to actually work even harder to achieve the goals that I've set out for myself. So that advice of never forget where you're coming from has pushed me through a lot of difficult times, I'd say. I think it's always interesting when we um, are young women and talking to our grandmothers, because mm-hmm. more so than our own parents, because that that extra generation gap, um, mm-hmm. the, the difference in their lives and our lives that we take mm-hmm. for granted, um, whether it's in South Africa, whether it's in the UK, is 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 almost unimaginable. That mm-hmm. you just you just you did what you just. It, you mm-hmm. find it hard to believe, don't you, with all yeah. the advances we've had over the last 80 years or so yes. in technology. Mm-hmm. It's a different it's world. a lot. It has. It has. And you know, um, you need to keep evolving with the technology and the changes, but still staying true to your beliefs and where you're going to. I, th- I think that's where it comes back down to making mm-hmm. sure you're true to your own ethics Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can hold on to those and keep your integrity, then mm-hmm. moving forward, you can still evolve, but you, you've got good foundations to stand on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Neo, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. <laughs> I am really looking forward to September and, and um, <laughs> your LinkedIn posts and seeing how your Academy <laughs> launch goes. Um yeah. And I wish you every success for the future. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much, Kirsty, for having me. And nice meeting you. Take care.